Hey guys, real quick before we get started, we are doing a free giveaway for listeners between now and May 31st. Cash prizes, free swag, Yacht Meetup tickets, San Diego Padre tickets, and more. All you got to do to qualify is go to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and drop a five-star review. Send a screenshot to giveaway at summerscapital.com and we'll be selecting lucky winners May 31st. As always, I appreciate the support. Now let's jump into the show. Because of the saturation, we're going to start to see less people enter the market. And I think we're going to see the bottom feeder hosts, the top, you know, the bottom 25 to 30% hosts, I think we're going to see them fall out. And, you know, that's good. I, I think that's good for supply. I think the supply of short-term rentals will, will slowly go down. But I also think it bodes well for boutique hotels. Welcome to the Rich Summers Report, where we talk real estate, business, and wealth building, all while keeping it real. No fluff, no BS. I hope that you enjoy the show. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of The Report. Today, I'm rolling solo, which is going to be myself, and we are going to talk about what's been going on in the headlines. I'm seeing it all over social media. A lot of people are posting about it. All the news channels are uh, discussing it. But the headlines are saying the Airbnb collapse is real. Revenues are down nearly 50% in cities like Phoenix, cities like Austin. Um, They're saying, watch out for a wave of forced selling from Airbnb owners later this year and areas hit hardest by the revenue collapse. Other cities in this top list are uh, Sevierville, Tennessee, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, San Antonio, Texas, Asheville, North Carolina, Nashville, Tennessee, Denver, Colorado, to name a few, even Orlando, Florida, also on this list, showing, you know, year over year from May of 22 to May of 23 a decline uh, between 34% all the way up to 47% in year-over-year revenue per available listing. So I want to do a little deep dive and see, is this are these numbers accurate? Um, where is this data being pulled from? Um, and also, I want to you know see, is this the right time to get into Airbnb or is this the right time to make a pivot and maybe get into something that a lot of people are not talking about right now? which I believe is going to be the next big thing. Uh, so with that, I pulled up a lot of AirDNA data. We use AirDNA to source a lot of the deals, um, not just boutique hotels, but whenever we're sizing up short-term rentals, we are using AirDNA data to come up with a lot of our assumptions in terms of air, you know, uh, revenue and in terms of occupancy, ADRs, et cetera. So I found some interesting data. First, that I wanted to know is Phoenix is on this list. In this article, it says Phoenix is down 47.2% revenue per available listing from May of 22 to May of 23. And if you look on AirDNA, in May of 22, the Phoenix market for all short-term rentals did 13.8 million for the month of May in 22. And Phoenix in May of 23 did 21.5 million for an increase of 55.7%. Austin on this list in this article uh, had a decline of 46.1% from May of 22 to May of 23. But according to AirDNA, Austin did 37.5 million in May of 22 and 40.3 million in May of 23 for an increase of 7.4%. And I know this is total market revenue um, and not revenue per available listing. However, uh, if you look at the number of listings in both of these markets, I'm going to pull up Phoenix right now as we speak. Uh, Phoenix, about a year ago, had 5,817 active listings. 
And as of right now, they got 10,300 listings. So uh, we're seeing quite a tick up. It looks like a about a 60-70% increase in active listings just in the city of Phoenix. Let's look at Austin. Total number of listings about a year ago was 10,805. And uh, now we're looking at about 13,173. So about an increase of about 20% or so. Not major. Um, but in an area like Phoenix, we are seeing a larger tick up in the number of listings. And so I wanted to kind of do a deeper dive into this data and see, okay, well, what exactly is going on in these different markets? The market revenue in terms of the demand uh, for Airbnb's hospitality is up in all these markets that I've looked into on this list. However, we're seeing a tick up in uh, listings and short-term rental listings in a lot of these markets. And so that tells me a lot of people are late to the party. A lot of people are buying, uh, picking up listings, doing arbitrage. And um, with that, uh, it's creating a lot of saturation in a lot of these different markets, which is why you were seeing the, the revenue per available listing tick down. Although I will say the, the data that I'm seeing is not exactly correlated to the data that's in a lot of these articles that are being put out right now. So um, I would argue that you know some of those articles are fluffed up a little bit in terms of the numbers. Oh, however, you cannot argue that we are seeing saturation in a lot of these markets around the country. And so what does that mean to you guys? What does this mean to us? One, I think if you are going to buy short-term rentals right now, you want to definitely pick up bedroom counts that are going to be unique to the the market. So for example, you know, Scottsdale right now has about 6,000 uh, short-term rental listings. If you go buy a, thir- a three or four bedroom listing and just, you know, put some Ikea furniture in there, you're going to get crushed. You're not going to make any money. However, you know, if you, if you go pick up a seven or eight bedroom property um, and you do a really nice design, you throw in a pickleball court, you know, speakeasy and some of these other amenities that make it unique, you can do really well. So, you know, our uh, luxury rental out there is going to do over $700,000 this year, but we don't have a lot of competition because we're unique. Um, and so I think if you're going to do it, figure out a way to be unique. Another example would be here in downtown San Diego, here where our office is located here in Lit Italy. There's a ton of one and two bedroom uh, condos and apartments and Airbnbs. However, there's not many three bedrooms, right? And so if you can pick up a three-bedroom property or condo here in Lit Italy, uh, there's not a lot of competition. So you can essentially set your own pricing and, and kind of control that part of the market because there's not a lot of competition in the three-bedroom space. So I'd say if you are going to get into the Airbnb game right now, if you are going to pick up more listings, I think it's very, very important to do your research. I know strinsights.com is very good. You can pull up any market in the country. It will tell you the optimal bedroom count in terms of bedroom per to uh, revenue uh, ratio. And it will tell you what the optimal bedroom account would be to go and acquire your next Airbnb listing. Now with that, I think generally speaking, the Airbnb thing, you know, I, I think because of the saturation, we're going to start to see less people enter the market. And I think we're going to see the bottom feeder hosts, the top, you know, the bottom 25 to 30% hosts, I think we're going to see them fall out. And, you know, that's good. I, I think that's good for supply. I think the supply of short-term rentals will, will slowly go down. But I also think it bodes well for boutique hotels. I think, you know, as the supply of short-term rentals goes down, I think it's going to, one, bring more demand to the boutique hotels. But I also feel like 
you know, as Airbnb regulations tighten in a lot of these markets around the country, we are going to see a tick up in ADR, a tick up in occupancy for a lot of these boutique hotels because it's going to bring more demand to those properties that can legally operate. And boutique hotels have the commercial hotel zoning. We're also seeing uh, multifamily be a little bit overbought. Uh, we're seeing cap rates, uh, you know, lower than interest rates in in that asset class. And we're seeing a lot of multifamily investors as well. And really, if you marry Airbnb and multifamily, you really get a boutique hotel. Um, also, it's important to note the market is softening currently because of the high interest rate environment that we're in. And so in order for me to buy right now, I need two things. I need one, to buy at a discount. And two, I need to be able to add tremendous value. Uh, for example, the uh, boutique hotel that we bought up north picked it up for $1.53 million in August of last year. So about 10 months ago, we're currently refinancing that property now. It just appraised for $4 million. So bought it for $1.53 10 months ago. It just appraised for $4 million, And that's in a declining, softening market. And you might ask, well, how are you able to do that in a softening market? It's because there's an opportunity right now to pick up these boutique hotels from mom and pop sellers who are not utilizing any technology. Often these properties are tired. They haven't been renovated in decades. And so because of that, uh, we can come in and do a nice value add renovation package and we can rebrand, relaunch these properties and add a lot of value even in a declining market. So for me to buy right now, I need to one, be able to buy at a discount and number two, add tremendous value. So I have a cushion and a margin for air should the market continue to soften, which it will continue to soften before it improves again. Um, and I don't believe it's going to improve until the Fed reduces these interest rates. So uh, we'll see. It could happen in the next six months, but it could be another 12 to 18 months. You don't know. I also feel like with all these Airbnb investors out there, especially because of all the oversaturation that we're seeing out there, it's going to be the next natural progression for them. You know, if you can manage and operate three or four short-term rental listings, uh, you can Go and manage a small boutique hotel. You already have the fundamentals. You already know how the guest communication, the housekeeping, the maintenance. You have a good fundamental understanding of what that looks like in addition to the marketing. So I believe it's going to be the next natural progression for all these Airbnb investors. Um, I was at the Bigger Pockets conference in October of last year here in San Diego, and literally every other person I met was like, Hey, Rich, I'm investing in Airbnbs and I cannot wait to do my first boutique hotel. So I feel it's just a matter of time before everyone moves on to boutique hotels. And I think in two or three years, it's going to be the next big thing, which is why I'm going after them right now before it does become the next big thing. Um, also, I love with the uh, boutique hotels, we don't have neighbors to worry about. And then from an economy as a scale perspective, it's a lot easier to scale boutique hotels versus a bunch of Airbnbs. I mean, think about, you know, we manage short-term rentals in nine markets around the country. And so think about managing 10 short-term rentals in six different markets around the country. You got six different housekeepers. You got six different sets of utilities, six mortgage payments. You got six sets of guests checking in and checking out on a Sunday afternoon. However, with the boutique hotels, we can have you know 24 units, 16 units under one roof, one mortgage payment, one set of housekeepers, one set of utility bills, um, which makes it a lot easier to scale from a workload perspective and from a return on your time perspective, which is pretty unique and cool too. The secret sauce I must say though, with boutique hotels is that we can operate these properties remotely, free of the onsite manager, the same way we would manage all these other 
Airbnbs around the country. And that allows us to really add a lot of value to these properties. Uh, One, we can bring the manager's unit online for additional revenue. Often the manager's unit is the nicest unit on all of these properties. The one that we picked up up north that just appraised for 4 million, that manager was actually occupying two of the 10 units and they had the nicest suite in the property. And so we can bring that online for the additional revenue, but we can also eliminate the expense of having a manager on payroll. And so let's just say for simple math, if you're man- you're picking up a hotel and the manager was paying themselves a $50,000 salary, by eliminating that expense at an 8% cap rate, because this is a commercial property, we are increasing the value of the boutique hotel by $625,000 just by making that simple move. And that's not to include the additional value that we would get by bringing that unit online. So once you understand that formula, NOI divided by cap rate, because this is commercial real estate and not residential real estate, you can really start to see the 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 needle and the the amount of power that that there is from creating the value of these boutique hotels. I also love that there's a, a higher barrier to entry. So we're searching, uh, we're we're actively looking at boutique hotels between two and ten million dollars a purchase price. The most recent one that we picked up was five point eight million here in uh, San Diego. But in the two to ten million dollar window, there's not a lot of competition. It's too big for the individual investor, but it's far too small for the hedge funds and the more institutional capital out there. The other thing that I love is we are in a high interest rate environment right now. And so with the boutique hotel space, a lot of these mom and pop owners who are retiring, they picked up these hotels on seller financing back in the day. And so they're already used to how it works and they're already expecting to sell their hotels on seller financing. And so it's a nice play and it's a nice opportunity in a high interest rate environment to be able to go in and potentially negotiate seller financing. You get to negotiate your own terms. You get to negotiate your own interest rate, your own LTV. It makes these closings a lot quicker um, and a lot more relaxed. There's less paperwork. There's less headaches, um, which is quite nice. And then um, we can go in there and really utilize a lot of technology. We can list these properties on Airbnb and Verbo, Price Labs, Hotels.com, Booking.com. And if you're really savvy, you can create your own direct booking platform We launched our direct booking platform about six or seven months ago. And so what we do is we uh, collect email addresses of all the guests that stay at any of our properties. They have to put it in in order to log into the Wi-Fi. And by doing that, uh, we put them on a drip campaign and we send them weekly mailers, encouraging them to come back and direct book at one of our properties. And so, you know, it started with 0% direct bookings and then it slowly ticked up. Um, Most recently, our direct booking ratio for the month of May was actually uh, in the 40% range for all of our bookings for the entire month. 40% of them came through our direct booking platform and our direct booking site, which is pretty cool. And it's something that you can utilize with these hotels. The other cool thing is the tax benefits. You know, that we get cost segregation studies done on all these properties, which allows a lot of the depreciation to flow through, which is very, very powerful. Um, A lot of the cash flow you can expect not to pay income taxes on, which is really uh, powerful as well. But all that to say is, you know, I think right now with where we're at, we're at in the climate, you know, I'm not picking up residential properties right now. I want to buy commercial properties to where we can add tremendous value. I was buying a lot of multifamily stuff. I still own a lot of multifamily stuff, but I'm just not buying that asset class right now. I believe it's overheated. I'm not buying the residential properties right now because we can't control our valuation. But with the boutique hotels, we have full control because value equals 
the net operating income divided by the market cap rate. And so the more I can increase the the income of these properties, if I can decrease the expenses on the hotel, if I can increase the income, I can directly impact the value of my property. I can quote unquote force the appreciation. Uh, And then with our in-house management team, it gives us full control, which I really love. So anyways, that's my takeaway. The Airbnb stuff is oversaturated. I, so I think you can make it work. We're making it work. You got to be unique. You got to have good marketing. So if you're going to do it, make sure that you're buying the right bedroom count and you have good marketing, you're using good management. And then if not, if you're not into it and you're like, hey, you know what? I want to make a pivot right now. I want to go a different direction. I want to zig when others are zagging. You know, you can go over and go into the boutique hotel space. I'm, I'm very bullish on it right now for the reasons I mentioned. If you guys want to learn more on how you can get started with boutique hotels, um, if you're someone that has three, four short-term rentals, maybe a couple short-term rentals, and you're looking to take your game to the next level, we do have a boutique hotel mastermind uh, where we have a community of folks that are like-minded, uh, forward-thinking. They all have experience. They're all taking down boutique hotel deals and sizing these things up. We teach basically the A to Z, how you can source them. You can get the lending. You can negotiate them, uh, renovate them, um, operate them remotely, et cetera, which is pretty cool. You can check us out. Uh, go to summerscapital.com slash mastermind, and you can uh, book a free call with our team to see if it would be a good fit for you. Anyways, I hope you guys found value in this episode. Love you all. We'll see you in the next one. Peace. Peace.